Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go. 5 o'clock hour at Silver 7's. Flamingo and Paradise. Come on down. 77 cent beers starting up at 6 o'clock during the VGK game. Golden Knights taking on Calgary. Turn us off right now if you want to hear the lead up to the game. RTHG. Brian, the hockey guy, on Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. We'll be talking a lot of baseball this hour, more about Derek Carr. We'll do our part to get you ready for the Golden Knights as well. Adam Candy is here. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota studios. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Oh, my God, I just looked up. I don't know what's going on here. Is there a no-hitter happening? Am I allowed to mention it? With someone's head blocking the TV. Milwaukee leads St. Louis. Oh, my God. Could there be a no-hitter? Uh, no, four hits. My bad. My bad. I get so excited about no-hitters and moments in baseball. And, frankly, Adam Candy, if they don't happen, I really I have no interest in baseball. So, when Clayton Kershaw was pulled from a perfect game the other day, it broke my spirit. I am back today watching baseball. But I had about six hours. I hated the sport of baseball. You? Who would you hate the most? Did you hate Dave Roberts the most for pulling him out I of the game? I don't like that Dave Roberts guy. You know, as Reggie Jackson said, you have to have played the game to understand it. Wait, Dave Roberts did play the game. Reggie? Dave Roberts? You know him? I, I mean, listen, as a Yankees fan, I really wish Dave Roberts never had played the game. Like, he, he's responsible for one of the worst moments in my sports fandom. But Dave Roberts was the guy who pulled Clayton Kershaw out of the game. And my God, did social media light up after seven Holy perfect crap. innings for Clayton Kershaw. How dare Dave Roberts pull him out? It's Doc again. Doc and his quick hook. He should never be allowed back on the field. I'm pretty sure that's what Keith Olbermann said, uh, that he should be shown the door uh, for allowing he, Clayton I didn't Kershaw see, to be he, pulled he out did, of the game. He did not. Did yes, he really? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Oh, uh, the voice of a generation, Keith Olbermann, he, he telling us that Dave Roberts should yeah. be pulled. He ain't the voice of a generation. Uh, I like some of the stuff that KO has done over the years, but he's a quirky, weird dude. I heard listening to uh, one of our great shows over on Fox 1340, Rob Parker, I swear to God he was lying. He talked about as – the alerts came up that there was a perfect game going. By the way, I was prepping the show. I didn't see that many alerts about a perfect game. He talked about being over at USC, like taping some TV show, and that everyone in the room was like, oh, my God, we got to turn this on. What's going on here? There's a lot of drama. And then, of course, it was pointed out, like, you really couldn't get the game anywhere. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of stuff yesterday where I was like, I got to come clean on this one. I, I think I'm not a moment guy. I think I'm more about the season and winning. And my, my first reaction yesterday was Clayton Kershaw is a brittle man. I want If I'm a Dodgers fan, I want him available for the playoffs. And on top of that, I, I think he had thrown 80 pitches. Is it true that through yesterday, no starting pitcher had thrown more than 96 pitches in a game? True, up until Logan Webb went out there and threw eight innings yesterday for the Giants. Okay. But you're absolutely right. Let's get a few things straight here about the circumstances, and then I'll tell you why I think Clayton Kershaw was the only guy we needed to hear from in the first place, but he had thrown no more than 60 pitches yet. We had essentially a two-week spring training. It was 37 degrees in Minnesota, and Clayton Kershaw is coming off an arm injury last year. 
So put all of that in context, and then I will do the best of sports radio, and I'll tell you what I tweeted, where I said, before we all freak the hell out over Clayton Karshaw getting pulled from this game, maybe we should find out what Clayton thinks about it. Maybe we should find out if Kershaw was okay with it. And Kershaw came out immediately after the game and said, oh, yeah, it was the right decision. Like, that's not what I chase. I, I, you know, I don't care about that stuff. Clayton Kershaw has a no-hitter. Clayton Kershaw has a World Series. The only person that this should matter to is not you. Is not the young analytics crowd. It is not the old crusty crowd. It should only matter to Clayton Kershaw. Because you know who owns that no-hitter? That perfect game? Clayton Kershaw does. You are nothing but a passenger. It is not yours. It's Clayton Kershaw's. And if he doesn't want it, then you don't get it. Number four. Derek Carr signs an extension of sorts. He is guaranteed, we think, $32.5 million of the 141. For that reason, Raiders fans should love, love, love Derek Carr because for now, he's essentially on four one-year deals. He's a hero to Raiders fans. Do they have any room to bitch about him now? None, Cofield. None. None. This is not Raider Nation Radio over here. This is ESPN Las Vegas, in case you're wondering. But I'm about to talk to Raider Nation and explain very clearly that if you are someone who used to drag Derek Carr, who was thinking about dragging Derek Carr, after what he did yesterday, I don't want to hear another negative word about Derek Carr as the Raiders quarterback. Derek Carr, essentially, in a situation where he could have demanded some sort of Kirk Cousins $40 million a year contract, and don't be fooled by the fact that it was called a $40 million a year deal. Here's what Derek Carr got. He got a $6 million raise next year from 19 to $25 million, and he got no trade protection to where if three days after the Super Bowl this coming year, if Derek Carr doesn't agree to be traded somewhere if the Raiders want to get rid of him, then he could essentially force the hand of the Raiders to cut him. They can't just send him anywhere. But he's on a one-year deal. And he did it because he said, I don't want to go through what I went through last time, losing Khalil Mack. I want everyone to understand that I want to build this team the right way. I want to build this team by putting all the talent around me to win a Super Bowl. And if you're one of the people who has said, okay, Derek, no more excuses. You've got everything you want. No, you, you don't need to say it. He said it for you. He put himself up there. So Raider fans, you love to talk about Raider Nation and the heart of Raider Nation. What did Derek Carr just show you? He just showed you that he has the heart that you have. I know that they threw things at him after the last game in Oakland. I'd be mad too. But if you're a fan of the Raiders today, right here, right now, and you're thinking about dragging Derek Carr for anything, you've lost the right. You don't have it anymore. Derek Carr just proved to you that he's as in on this Raiders franchise as he could be. He took easily less money and less security than he could have. I think it's a terrible business decision, but it ain't my money to count. You, as a fan, better get behind him if you're truly... Raider Nation, baby. Number three. Well, the situation in Arizona with Kyler Murray, if you're listening right now, you're like, situation? What are you talking about? 
Well, it's been this back and forth kind of subtweety, pull all my cardinal stuff down from the internets nonsense. It's heating up again. Reports today that Kyler Murray, without a new deal after his third year, ain't playing for the Cardinals. And anyone who's mad at him, I guess go ahead and be mad. But he's got the hammer. Deshaun Watson and $250 million plus guaranteed. Candy changed everything. And you know there are probably eight to ten teams around the league as immature as Kyler Murray comes off sometimes. There are eight to ten teams who would step up and they will grab him in an instant. What do you make of the situation? Tom Pelissero is the one who reported this from NFL Network that Kyler Murray has not received a contract offer in terms of renegotiation from the Cardinals. And even though he's got a couple of years left, the fact that he's making five-ish million this year and he's looking at the rest of the league with 40-plus million-dollar quarterbacks, seven of them now. And I don't know if you can overstate what you just said. There are two words with Deshaun Watson that changed everything. It's not massage table. It's not criminal charges. It is not civil charges, although we should not forget any of those things when it comes to who Deshaun Watson is. It is fully guaranteed. We've spent so long with football contracts talking about, yeah, it's all fake money. Oh, yeah, Derek Carr's not really getting $40 million a year. He's getting a $6 million raise on a no-trade contract. Essentially, he got franchise tagged. Yeah, it ain't what Deshaun Watson got. And if I'm an agent, if I'm Kyler Murray's agent, and the Haslams went out there and took an accused sexual abuser and gave him the largest fully guaranteed contract we've ever seen, there's no reason that I can't sit there with Kyler Murray and say, you pay the man, and you pay the man right now. Now, it's not as easy to hold out in the NFL as it used to be. That's part of the new CBA. Like, it's going to take some fortitude from Kyler Murray to sit out here, but are the Cardinals really willing to play this game of chicken? That's what Kyler Murray is counting on, and I think in the end he's got more leverage than they do. Former uh, Packers money guy Andrew Brandt, who uh, now teaches at Villanova, said uh, Murray played for peanuts as a starter for three years, now wants upgrade as CBA finally allows Cardinals prefer to wait, as the Browns did with Mayfield. Murray will not be as compliant as Baker was last year, nor should he be. They're in different stratospheres. And, by the way, he can actually use Mayfield as kind of weaponized what just happened to him. Baker Mayfield was probably in line for a decent extension. Then he effed up his shoulder, played through it, and he can't stop talking. And now his value is crap. If I've got leverage as a quarterback, as a quarterback, oh, I'm using it, Candy. And you know I live in the analytics world, Cofield, and there are analytics people who will make you the case against Kyler Murray and say that his EPA per play is expected points added per play. It's a very popular measure, and there's a lot of debate as to whether you can separate the quarterback from everybody else. But there are analytics people who will make you the case that Kyler Murray isn't as good as the rest of those quarterbacks who are making $40 million a year. I'm not telling you whether I agree with that or not. What I'm telling you is, because there's that case to be made out there, if I'm Kyler Murray and I know I could go out there and get hurt this year and not get my deal, and I know that there are people who are willing to make the case that I'm not as good as the rest of those quarterbacks, you're damn right I'm sitting here right now and saying, I got nothing to lose. I don't. By the way, if you're Kyler Murray, Cofield, to add one more layer to this and you want to sit out 
believe Kyler Murray was a top 10 overall Major League Baseball draft pick. There's another path there. Kyler Murray could say tomorrow, I'm done with all this. I want, a, I want a place where I know there's guaranteed money. Major League Baseball, every contract is guaranteed. Full money. Kyler Murray has even more leverage than the average person. Number two. Calgary hosting your Vegas Golden Knights. Six o'clock start. Calgary is a 160 favorite at the William Hill race and sportsbook. Candy, who do you want to see in goal? tell you what it doesn't have anything to do with me at this point uh our friend ryan the hockey guy over on uh fox sports on the pregame breaking a little bit of news saying that gary lawless the vhk insider was on with him in the pregame and said keep an eye on logan thompson he was the first goalie off the ice at practice this morning what logan where's Leonard? Leonard should be in there well should he be in there cofield because if you get into the numbers and uh you know i'm uh Sorry to all of our listeners out there who don't love the alphabet soup. Uh, I'm going to go to a few stats here from my friends at Natural Stat Trick. Take the last 20 games for the Golden Knights. Let me read you uh, some numbers. Save percentage, 927 to 926. Goals against average, 226 to 222. Goals saved above average, which, by the way, is a cumulative stat that you need to play more time to build. Logan Thompson had 10 games, 258. Robin Leonard has had seven games, 173. Hmm. High danger save percentage, Logan Thompson 86, Robin Leonard 91. That's something else that can be a little bit variable. Their save percentage is essentially the same, and if you give Robin Leonard a couple more games, his goal saved above average would be the same. If you're complaining right now, if you're whining about Robin Leonard's not any good, I like the other guy. He was playing better. They've been the same. They've been the same goaltender. Don't say that Logan Thompson is outplaying Robin Leonard. They've been the same. And until the Golden Knights start playing some defense in front of either of these guys, it ain't going to matter. Because in the last two games they've played against Vancouver, losing both games against Vancouver, they have allowed 10 goals. Go back and watch those if you really want to see, was it the goalie's fault? A couple of them are questionable, but when you've got Alec Martinez behind his own net, throwing the puck straight to a Vancouver Canuck who then goes and shoots and rebound ends up being scored. There isn't a goaltender in the world who's going to bail you out of all of those. So if you want Logan Thompson, great. If you want Robin Leonard, great. But guess what? Pretty much last 20 games, they're the same guy. But you know, with some fans, the deck is stacked against Leonard. Did you see, I think this was real. Has it been debunked? It's kind of a weird-looking picture. Did you see the fan the other day at a VGK game with some sort of jacket or something that on the back of it said, Leonard sucks, we deserve better? Am I fooled here? Was that a Photoshop? Was that real? Ultimately, Cofield, I don't care whether it was real or not because someone took the time to make it up, even if not, and it's the same sentiment, whether someone wore the shirt or whether someone created it in a Photoshop right. and... I said this before the season. When Robin Leonard was out there popping off on Twitter before he deleted his Twitter account, I was saying because Robin Leonard has been such a prickly figure and because he's not the happy-go-lucky appearance of a Marc-Andre Fleury, if he doesn't play well, he's not getting the same leeway from these fans. It doesn't matter just that he's not Marc-Andre Fleury. It matters that 
he's not embracing the fans the same way Marc Andre Fleury did. He doesn't have to. That's not who he doesn't have to be anybody for the fans. He could be exactly who he wants to be. But if things don't go your way, realize that not only are you going to get the Marc Andre Fleury haters, you're going to get the ones who just don't care for you either. Number one. We had our buddy Justin Watkins, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, about three weeks ago say, you know, he's a big hockey fan, big VGK fan. It's like, it's not going to happen. They're not going to make the playoffs. Did you have some sort of revelation in the last couple of days about VGK and the playoffs? I had a couple of revelations. One, um, I can recite most of the VGK commercials on AT&T Sportsnet <laughs> by memory now. There are certain ads for, let's say, window companies or solar energy that I think I know every single word. It made me realize Golden Knights have been around for a while. I think I've gotten kind of used to the rhythm of VGK now, right? I kind of like having those games to turn on at night if I'm not going out to the game to cover it in person. And it made me realize that I've almost taken for granted the fact that every year has been a matter of where is VGK going to finish in the standings and what's their playoff matchup going to look like? Because the more I watch this team... Even as I see them put pieces back into the lineup, somehow the puzzle pieces aren't making a Rembrandt right now. I'm looking and I'm seeing a team that feels a lot like this year's Raiders. They feel like a team that's just good enough to maybe sneak into the playoffs, but not really good enough to do anything. It's a little bit unfair because they haven't had the same lineup on the ice consistently for any length of time. But look what they had in that game in Vancouver. The defensemen have had a chance to get back into it. You've had Max Pacioretty on the ice for a couple games. Mark Stone was able to give you kind of a 50% performance. Short of Riley Smith, you had pretty much everything that you were looking to have before the season, and this VGK team just doesn't inspire it for me, even with what they have back. Yikes. What you just said, tying together the Golden Knights and the Raiders, is outrageous. I will stomp you on the way back. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Canucks coming in on the right side. Wraparound opportunity for Garland. Martinez rims him off. Centering pass, though. Pedersen put it on. Lanner makes a big save. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Getting ready for the Vegas Golden Knights. Coming up at 6 o'clock. Wow. Dangerous Danny, who's working the set here with Cofield and Company at Silver 7s. A lot of fans out there. A lot of fans out there. Listener Darian. Came over in the middle of the show and dropped off a nice-looking pizza. Real nice. I didn't get to talk to her. Danny says Darian's been by the show many times, but years ago. And I almost blurted out because she actually dropped off a resume. So we'll probably have a mix of Darian and Ari running the show in the future. Um, All it takes is a pizza. Candy, she says that she's been by the show many times in the past, and I almost blurted out, I would remember that! And then I remembered that I don't remember stuff anymore, so it's kind of sad. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Um, So you're telling me that Ari, 
who notoriously hates all food, brought you a pizza to get this job? Is that what happened? It actually makes a lot more sense now, but... It's not a... supposed to tell everyone. Let's not get into that one. Okay. All right. I, 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 I actually remember that process, which in the end was a process that was not a process. Uh-oh. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it was. I, it yeah. was. Here's Ari. Go to work. It was. Here's Steve. <laughs> Oh, well, I love you guys. You're the <laughs> no, two hey, best friends really, a guy I'm, could ask for. I'm glad to be here three years in now. Yeah. Coming up on three years. Late Saturday and Sunday nights on Fox 1340 is always available. It's always available, my friend. Uh, so we got some news out today about the NFL draft here in town. Uh, you know, they're, they're, it's a big deal the way they're setting this thing up with the stage on Koval behind, you know, Flamingo and, and Harris and all that, uh, along with, hey, we've got lakes here, right? And Bellagio's got its water, and they had big plans for it. The last time around, this was supposed to happen. So they've now got confirmation, according to uh, Field Yates, and this was confirmed by the local paper. Uh, the NFL's announced 21 prospects will attend the draft. I think it's going to grow from there. But it'll include the likes, Candy, of Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. Got to have the quarterbacks in there. Got to have the quarterbacks in there. Is, is Matt Corral going to be a first-round pick? Well, he's going to be here. The Ole Miss quarterback, former USC commit Malik Willis. He's not a USC commit, but Corral was. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. Got to have the receivers. Oh, boy. Reinforce the boats. Or the stage. Reinforce all of it. Jordan Davis will be here. 6'5", somewhere north of 360. I feel like they missed an opportunity here. I understand everybody loves the Combine in Indianapolis because the NFL Combine's been a tradition there and all the restaurants are close and this and this and that. But weren't there opportunities here for unique Vegas-based skill tests? What if you took these supposedly fast receivers, stuck them at one edge of the Bellagio Lake, and said, let's see how fast you can swim to the other side? Okay. Right? I you're going to make them walk on water. Let's see how fast you are before you sink. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. That, that, like skipping a stone. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, there was one notable name not on that list, and I wondered – did Vegas at some point impose a restriction like your hands must be this big in order to attend uh -huh. the NFL draft? Because Kenny Pickett's not on that list, Probably. and he is in more mocks as a first-round pick than Matt Corral. Probably. Hand size matters, my friend. You mock it. It matters. Oh, I got nothing to mock. We did this live on air. There is a tidy nine-plus going on over here. Nothing to worry about. You could have invited me over Kenny Pickett if it was about hand size. Coming up. We'll bring in former Major League pitcher Heath Bell to talk about this uh, Padres-Giants dust-up as he'll join myself, Cofield, and uh, Mega Mitts across the way. Sign up for an A-Play card and unlock some great food specials at the Sterling Spoon Cafe at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. I knew going in that my pitch count wasn't going to be 100, let alone, you know, 90 or whatever. So it's a hard thing to do, to have to come out of a game when you're doing that. But like I said, we're here to win, and that uh, this was the right choice. 
hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. It's Cofield and Company. Clayton Kershaw on the way back there. It's time to bring in an expert who played the game. Ace closer for the Padres at one time. He hosts Ring the Bell, Padres podcast on the Believe Network. Heath Bell is here with us with Cofield and Candy in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're good. We're good. I really need you to come in and explain the game to me and the rules and what interests people because I think I've either forgotten, I'm too old. First of all, <laughs> you tell me. Uh, maybe you're like Reggie Jackson. Uh, Reggie was all he was flipping out yesterday about people not understanding what's going on, and in the old days it was this way and that way. Um, were you mad? Like there were a lot of people who were mad at Dave Roberts yesterday over Kershaw in the perfect game. You know, uh, I, if I was in that situation, I would have definitely uh, thrown the ball, even if I was tired or sore. I would have Billy chapeled it from the you know love of the game, where I would have just flipped it up there like a position player does or something. Maybe not try to throw so hard uh, if I was worried about injury. But I really think it was Kershaw and Dave Roberts combined. I mean, they, you know, um, I think Clayton has been injured the last couple of years and. He wants to stay healthy, and he wants to dominate all 30, 35 starts that he's going to have this year and be strong like Clayton Kershaw has, you know, three, four years ago or five years ago or whatnot. So I think he's just he did it for a precautionary period or, you know, like uh, with the Padres, uh, you Darvish went extended because it looked like he had a no-hitter going through the seventh and gave up a hit, and then he gave up nine runs in the next outing because maybe he wasn't ready or his arm wasn't in shape yet. So it's a game that you're worried about going the whole season where I understand what Reggie's saying. It's like, hey, let's win today. Let's win today. Let's just do what you can do today, and then we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow. Heath, uh, the game has changed in a lot of ways, and that gets us into these kinds of discussions, like what happened with the Giants and the Padres the other night uh, when we had some discussion over should you be bunting in a nine-run game, and I know that this gets people all fired up on both sides when it comes to the unwritten rules of the game. When you played the game, what would happen in that situation? Fired up too. What 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 do you guys take on it, real quick? I, look, Gabe, I think Gabe Kapler is going leaning kind of hard into the we're going to do what we're going to do um, because I understand why it gets it gets people upset. On the same time, I, I've seen seven and eight run leads overcome, so I, it's hard for me to say entirely, like, no, they need to get this out of the game. This is what I take on it. I'm sick and tired of the last couple of years. There's so many unwritten rules that the Padres have been talking about. Why is it just the Padres? Because basically you're telling um, – the Giants, hey, you know what? You scored nine runs. You have a nine-run lead. I don't want you to play very hard. I want you to play only 60%. I don't want your hitters to get a hit. Don't try your best. You know, pitchers don't just throw the ball down the middle. You can't throw any breaking balls or anything. I mean, is that what the Padres are saying when you're unwritten rule that you can't do this, you can't do that? You can keep playing hard. I, I respect them. They were The guys were trying to get a hit. They were trying to do what they do. Where I was always taught, win every inning. Play every inning like it's 0-0. Zero, zero doesn't matter the score, and go and try to win every inning. And I think that's what Kapler's talking about, and I'm sick and tired of I'm kind of like the other way. I think that's good baseball. I mean, the Giants have played hard every single inning. It's not like they did it just like they play hard sometimes and don't play some hard some other times, and then they just happen to do the 
I think they play hard every single inning, and that's what Kepler, he did in his playing career. So I just, you know, I think the Padres need to, you know, grow a pair kind of. You know, like a couple years ago when Tatis, they got mad at Tatis Jr. for swinging 3-0. Their own player, their own young rookie stud got mad at him for hitting grand slam because they were winning by too many runs. Like, is the outfield not supposed to try anymore? Is the pitchers not supposed to try to get people out? I mean, what's the deal? You went right where I was going to go because the Padres are developing a reputation as arrogant. Uh, And then the case with Tatis was ridiculous because it started, I think, with Texas – and uh, Chris Woodward was ripping on him. And then Jace Tingler, the manager of the Padres, backed up the opposing manager against their basically their whole organization. I just thought that was ridiculous. And it, I don't know, when you played, were there certain teams where you're like, you know, guys, stop lecturing us on how to play the game? Because for me, the Cardinals, the Braves, and now the Padres have been those teams in this era. Yeah, it's just, it's just gen- I think it's this generation of players is like, well, 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 you can't do that, and that's probably because maybe they've been taught wrong or something. I was taught you play hard no matter what the score is. If you're losing by ten, you're winning by ten. You still you still try to run that you know a ball in the gap. You still try to make a double out of it. You don't go okay. I won't try hard. I won't do this. I won't do that. I was taught if you're up fifteen runs, you can go ahead and steal second base all you want. You don't steal third because second base is there. You can easily score from second, like you can score from third. It's one of those things where you play hard, you go hard every time. If you're winning by 10, you hit the ball, do you just kind of jog and say, well, I'll give the team another chance? That basically tells me I don't want to try very hard. I'm not going to try 110% if we score a bunch of runs or if we're down a bunch of runs. I'm just going to give up and, you know, hurt my feelings and whatnot. No, go out there and play like it's 0-0 every freaking inning. That's what I believe. You know, I want to go back because I want to talk some NL West, uh, more NL West with you. Heath Bell is with us, uh, played for the Padres, had a uh, freaking monster gaggle of saves in his prime, uh, seasons of 42, 47, 43 saves. I want to go back to Kershaw for a second. Because of Sports Talk Radio and the inflammatory nature of social media, one thing I didn't see a lot of people mention was the fact that, my God, Clayton Kershaw looked like the old Clayton Kershaw. That was an awesome performance and for the rest of the division, if he can stay healthy and make 25 to 27 starts and be ready to go in the postseason, it is a massive advantage for the Dodgers. Yeah, I really do. And I think that's why he took himself out of the game slash, you know, him and Dave probably talked and just said, you know, because I think he was supposed to throw like 70 pitches or he's only thrown five innings in a simulated game, whatnot, and he threw seven. So um, he's looking to be that Clayton Kershaw that he was of old, you know, for the whole year to really rise that team and get him to the playoffs and win a World Series again. So, you know, I think that's one of the reasons he did what he did. Now, I can't fathom if I was in his shoes, I definitely wouldn't do that. I'm not, he's a bigger man than me. But, uh, um, yeah, it's going to be crazy out west if Clayton Kershaw is definitely Clayton Kershaw that we know of in the past. What the Giants did a year ago, was that a bit fraudulent, or can they emerge as the best team in the division again? You know, with Kepler in the helm, with managing, I think – that's the way he played. He played trying to win every single inning. He never gave up any of that. Or, you know, when he played, he went after it hard. And, and I think he's pretty much showed that organization that's how you do it. That's how you play. And, and I, you know, I think they're going to be in the hunt. I really do. I think they're going to be in the hunt again just like they were last year, except for everybody's going to respect them a little bit more this year than they did last. Can you imagine another season where the top two teams in the NLS combined for 213 wins? 
Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the NL West has basically turned out to be probably one of the best leagues in the, in the game right now, if not the National League. I mean, the Rockies off to a good start right now at 4-1. You know, everybody's looking for them to, are they going to fall or whatnot. But, you know, um, it's just one of those things. Bud Black over there has got them, got them playing good, and the Padres starting rotation looks like it's a lot better than before, and the Dodgers are filthy. And, you know, don't count the Diamondbacks out. You know, they're kind of rebuilding or whatnot, but, when they start hitting the ball during the summer, they usually hit the ball during the summer. You know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Heath, you have 168 major league saves, and I wonder if more people remember that or if more people remember the slide at the 2011 All-Star Game. Uh, more people for- remember the slide. Let me I'll give you a little story <laughs> real quick. Um, so when I retired after 15, you know, uh, like 16, somebody was like, Hey, aren't you the slide guy? You played the All Star game, and, I, and at first I was like, you know, I was a really good pitcher. Like, I, I, you know, I had <laughs> right. numbers, and I led the league. This, and that. And I kind of took offense to it a little bit, and like, well, yeah, but you know, and tried to be like, you know, I was a good pitcher. But then as it, as the kind of time went by, that's how everybody knew me. It's almost like if I didn't play the All Star game, and I wasn't a quirky player and just having fun, I would never get remembered. I'd be one of those players that had a good career that just kind of disappear and you're like oh he played i didn't know that so then i kind of embraced it and then i've gone to some little leagues and they asked me hey can you slide into the mound i've done some charity stuff where i gotta slide into the mound and i'm like i'm getting up in age i can't always slide guys <laughs> but um i i you know i embrace it i love i'm known as a slide guy and by the way he was a good pitcher too and so <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know i embrace it i love it it's it's fun and occasionally when i go to some place i will pull out a slide and Everybody gets uh, really excited. It's almost like I was playing again. I don't know if you watch much NFL. Um, are you surprised that so many NFL quarterbacks and even college quarterbacks just can't do a basic slide? Yes, because most of them are like pitchers or play baseball players. I just I don't I don't get it. I especially a lot of them they play really nice grass or turf. I mean that's easy to slide on. Come on now. Yep, yep. Looking back at all the organizations you played for. What was the best organization as a player where you're like, you know what, these guys have our back, they want to win, they're always doing whatever they can to get us to the highest level? Best organization you played for? Uh, you know, best organization was the Padres my first uh, two years when we had John Moore as the owner. He ended up selling the team, and we had another owner. But um, he was great. We had team parties with the owner at the owner's house. I mean, the owner gave us gifts if you had a good season, but everybody – I mean, he was really, he had your back. He, he had, we had meetings two or three times a year that he wanted to talk to only the players and say, hey, how can I make this team better? How can I make, you know, like travel in the clubhouse? What do we need just to make it more comfortable so you guys can play better? That was um, inspirational and great. And, you know, uh, with the Mets was really good when um, my first year, actually my second year in 05 was really good with the New York Mets. Um, uh, uh, Fred Wilpon, the owner, the the dad, not Jeff, the kid that started that he gave over the team. <laughs> Fred was great because I'll yep. give you an example. I'm a nobody, you know. I go to the winter thing. I'm a nobody. I spent two months in the big league, and we have a dinner. You know, we're meeting all the people in the city. This is like in December or something. It's cold. We just signed Carl Beltran for 119 million dollars, so he's like the big guy on campus. You know, he Fred was talking to me and my wife. And Carlos comes in, and he just goes, hey, hey, Carlos, nice to meet you. I'll get back. I'll talk to you in a minute. And then 
kept on the conversation with me and my wife, and it was literally like we're nobody. And it was like we were ready to walk away. It's like okay, Carlos, kind of fine. And then he was like, no, no, let's finish the conversation. We started talking. I was like, man, I love this guy, old school. But then he kind of gave it over to his son, and his son definitely. We could talk about another thing that he did that he was just horrible, and I don't believe the the son was very good, but. Mr. Wilpon, the owner, he was great, the dad. Isn't it weird? And I want to mention that uh, Adam and myself are both Yankees fans, and the Yankees are still good, but they're not George good because it doesn't seem like the kids care. It it amazes me how many kids get a baseball team or a pro franchise. Like, you're handed the keys for free to a Ferrari. Spend the money. Well, here's the thing. I think dad... They worked for it, and they got it. And it's like, we got to build this. we got to do this. And the kids, it's almost like, do you know who I am? Where I've never heard any, like, Steinbrenner. He just was like, hey, we're doing this. Not, hey, do you know who I am? I'm the owner. We're doing this. He's like, no, we're doing this. Who are you? Freaking owner. You know, where the kids are like, no, you need to know who I am. Where dads are like, we don't care if you know who we are. We're going to do what we're going to do. Because we built it, and we're, we're building something for the future for our kids. And some kids just think, well, it's gifted. It's handed to me. Yeah. Well, you got to work for it. You know, it's like the age-old thing. If you paid your way through college, not student loans and stuff, you got a job and this and that, you were dedicated to your crap, your work, to get that degree. And then after, it's like, i got to pay it off, this and that. But when they go and just get loans and go, well, I'll just go to college for a few years and figure out what I want to do. And then people get degrees and never do what they want to do. They're he not felt- working hard for it. It's almost like... I just just give it to me because I want it. But right. two days later, you'll probably want something else. Heath Bell is with us. Let's wrap on uh, two more things. Host of Ring the Bell. It's a good podcast uh, built around the Padres on the Believe Network. Did you get wind of what the Reds president, the son of the owner, said the other day? Did you see this where he basically told the fans, hey, you know what? You're getting what you get. Where else are you going to go? Tough luck. No, I didn't hear that. I'm going to yeah. look that up right oh, now. You, you, you got, you got, oh, my God. Because it's not only what he said, it's the way he said it and the smug-ass look on his face with his stupid sunglasses on and his hair slicked back. It'll drive you freaking nuts because what happens is now people aren't going to show up to Reds games and it's the players that suffer. Like, as a player, you're like, I didn't say it. Yeah, but you know what? They're trying to do a point, and I, I would, like, start going on the road with the Reds or something and just watch the game and support the team but not go to the go to the stadium or whatnot. I mean, guys, the Reds, owner for the kid or whatnot if for him to say something like that it's it's asinine i think he's stupid for doing it i mean you could at least do the generic lie hey we're trying to win this year but you know they're not trying to win you know you're trying to rebuild or do something like that but i mean the reds are a pretty good organization but for them to do that man that's that's sad to see because i've heard i know a lot of red ex-players and they always said the organization was great so maybe it's going in a different direction now yeah, well, he also, to me, um, threw out the cardinal sin. He basically said, hey, if we sell the team, they're going to move. Like, using that as leverage, no one is moving the Cincinnati Reds, fella. Yeah, I would love to buy the Cincinnati Reds. I need to, like, talk to Derek <laughs> Jeter or something like that, or Matthew Johnson or something. But, yeah, we Cincinnati, I mean, personally, I think the stadium needs to be a better stadium. But, man, they got some good fans, and Cincinnati has some history there, and and I, I, Cincinnati is going to be there for a long time. Nobody's going to move that team. Heath, we appreciate a couple minutes. Very funny stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. And I'm looking that red thing up right now. Yeah, do it.
Uh, he'll 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 flip out. Maybe he won't. Maybe I'm just I'm so pro fan. I just thought I thought that was ridiculous. And you know, I'm glad he said what he said at the end. The Reds actually are a historic organization, and for too many years they've leaned on this "woe is us, we're poor," and to have forty three thousand Reds fans show up after you trade Jesse Winker and other guys who deserve big contracts. They deserve to be built around. For you to say that in and around a game that gets 43,000 on opening day is the height of arrogance. And and believe me, Candy, what he said and the way he delivered it, that was genuine. He was not a mistake. He doubled down on it later in the day. Cofield, we went deep on this on Tuesday. Like I, I, I played all the audio from Phil Castellini talking about his statement and then what was worse, his follow when the local media reporter gave him an opportunity to back off, and he's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? You're going to have to be more specific. And then finally, given a third try, he figured it out. So, yeah, 43,000 on opening day. You know how many they had last night? 10,000. I saw some pictures, man. It, it, it looked bleak, and I'm buying you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm buying it. That They said 10,000. It, it looked like a freaking small crowd. Come up in the grab bag. Oh, Mike Mayock is talking again. You're not going to believe what he said about Rich Basaccia. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Pick your hand in there, Dave. So, Candy, you remember a couple weeks ago, Mike Mayock, former GM of the Raiders, went on Dan Patrick and seemed to suggest that, hey, you know what? We won. Mark Davis just won. Of course, not mentioning any of the stuff that went on around the Raiders off the field as a factor or, you know, mismanagement of the first-round picks. Well, Mayock's speaking again on Rich Basaccia. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He said, in my mind, I felt Richie had earned the opportunity to remain the coach. Okay, good. So he was behind Basaccia. He says, I think the way we looked at the situation was we got this thing going the right way. We built a strong foundation. We had one of the youngest rosters in the league. Our salary cap situation was outstanding. We felt like we had the right kind of people in the building, and the foundation was built. Now let's continue to build on it. Bottom line was we were both pretty excited about the future. Obviously, that's not what happened. So there you go. The unreasonable Mark Davis. Everything was in place. Now, that said, I didn't dislike Mike Mayock. I think he did some good things as GM. As I've said to you many times, Candy, I don't know who actually gave the go-ahead on a lot of the first-round picks. It may not have been Mayock. And I thought Passaccia did deserve a chance. So what he's saying is not way out of line. And by the way, I never delivered on a tease earlier when I said I was going to annihilate you for – Talking about VGK making the playoffs and not doing anything, and you said the Raiders made the playoffs and didn't do anything? Come on, man. That's not fair. The Raiders were a witch's whatever away from potentially taking out the team that went to the Super Bowl. They weren't non-competitive against the Bengals. They were down 13 in that game. Ah, there was a fluke blowing of the whistle. Oh, I hate when the flukes, the flukes, the flounder. I hate all the bottom feeders. You officials. You just want to ignore things. I do. 
I do. By the way, Mike Mayock <laughs> needs to do what he's doing right now because right. nobody knew whether Mike Mayock was the GM or not. So Mike Mayock is essentially trying to tell everybody what his job was for whatever comes next. God dang. All right. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Give me a little Urban Meyer on his knowledge of the NFL. When I heard someone told me that, and it's, you know, I've heard silly things before in my life. I, I, it's almost, you shouldn't even address something like that. It's so silly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone told Urban Meyer about the comments that he said he didn't know Aaron Donald. He is refuting that, correct? Apparently. No, that's the worst part. It. He's not refuting it. He could just very easily say, that's not true. But he basically is like, that's so silly, I shouldn't acknowledge it. Come on, Big Herb. We don't know what's true and what's not with you. Thanks to Silver Sevens for hosting the show today. Come on down here, Flamingo and Paraday, 77-cent beers, Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra, during the Vegas Golden Knights game.